The following program presents principles designed to promote good health and is not intended to take the place of personalised professional care. The opinions and ideas expressed are those of the speakers. Viewers are encouraged to draw their own conclusions about the information presented. Welcome to Healthy Living. I'm your host, Margot Marshall. Alzheimer's, stroke, poor mental performance. Is there a common denominator or more than one causing these ailments? Find out today on Healthy Living. Healthy Living is a 13-part production of 3ABN Australia Television, focusing on the health of the whole person, body, mind and spirit. You'll learn natural lifestyle principles with practical health solutions for overall good health. in the studio today we have Dr John Clark and Jennifer Skews who is a health psychologist. Welcome Jennifer and welcome Thank John. You. Thank you. We have um, some ailments today that can cause a lot of, a lot of grief really to the person and to the people mm -hmm. who love them and um, we're interested to hear what you have to say about the underlying cause or causes of these problems and whether they can be actually uh, remedied in some way. So we're waiting to hear what you have to say about that. John, would you like to lead out there? Yes, and the story I want to talk about today helps illustrate uh, several different uh, ways the brain can be compromised mm -hmm. by our health habits. Mm -hmm. This lady was a longtime worker at one facility. She was well liked. Mm -hmm. People thought she was great. When she came around time for retirement, they wanted to send her off with a huge party. And so you know how at parties they bring some of the worst foods on the planet. <laughs> and uh, so they lavished her with uh, some of the richest foods. And this wasn't her usual diet. She was a very healthy person and usually stayed away from this kind of thing. But uh, she sort of had the thought, well, just this once, it's my retirement. I'll just indulge. Mm -hmm. and." and everybody wants me to, and they've been so kind to bring all this stuff. And so she ate uh, quite a bit of this food and uh, went home after the festivities. And the next morning she woke up unable to smile with half of her face, unable to move oh, half of her gee. body. She had had a stroke. My goodness. So just living it up and having some party food, big, you know, a lot of party food. That's a bit scary, John. Definitely. That is a bit scary. So what kinds of things might she have been having? We, we were wanting to get down to what it was, you know, all well, the things that might have been specifically responsible. What set her up for this? Yes, mm. yes. I'd like to know up? too. <laughs> yeah, we all better avoid this, huh? Yes. <laughs> and so there's this uh, brain requirement for lots of blood. Your brain uses 40% of the blood coming out of your heart, at least. And what you need to have is good blood flow to every part of the brain. Right. But there's several things that can compromise the blood flow. A stroke is often a drop in blood flow to a part of the brain, dropping so low that the cells can no longer stay alive. They, um, they literally die. Yeah. Yes. Dead parts of the brain is the, basically the definition of a stroke. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that can do it is plaque. 
We often think about plaque in the heart, mm -hmm. yeah. plaque that keeps the blood from flowing to the heart muscle, yeah. but this plaque that's in the heart can be anywhere in the body. It can be in the kidneys, the legs, yeah. the arms, it can be in the brain. That, no big surprise there when you think about it because if plaque can narrow the big vessels, the arteries, and the same blood flows through the little tiny vessels, no big surprise that they should also be affected, really. Yes, vascular mm. disease is a systemic disease. Mm. Yeah. And so studies of people with plaque in their heart show that if the plaque is building up to 80, 90, 99 percent, mm. they start having angina, heaviness in the chest. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> but it's interesting that on a heart monitor test where we put the little stickers all over your chest and look at the screen on the wall, we cannot begin to detect if you have any blockage whatsoever until the blockage reaches nearly 70 percent. Oh. The only way we can figure it out if it's less than 70 percent would be through invasive oh, techniques okay. like catheterization. Yes, that's, that's not a good plan, is that it can be cause damage of its own, I believe. It sure can, angiography. And, and it's like, expensive. Yeah. And it's expensive. So you really can't tell, even on a treadmill test at 70%, if you have heart blockage, which might make you think, okay, I've got, I got quite a bit of reserve. Uh, I, can, I can block up to 70% without knowing it. Well, that's the heart. But let's talk about the brain. Mm -hmm. Studies of the brain and the blood vessels that feed particularly the frontal lobes of the brain show that if the arteries get blocked just 20%, mm -hmm. the patient has changes on a mental status exam. In other words, just qu the doctor oh. questioning the patient can tell there's something different here. Okay. So it prevents their ability for the brain to actually function mentally, which brings down their mental performance, basically, doesn't it? That's right. Oh, okay. That's right. So before we get Alzheimer's or uh, have a stroke, it's, it, we actually have impaired brain function, is what mm. you're saying, at yes. 20%. At 20% oh. plaque. Mm. Mm. And so that's a huge difference between a, not being able to detect until 70% and being able to detect something at 20%. Mm. 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 And that, that just impacts on the quality of life uh. and, and, and work performance and it does. relationships, all sorts of impact, mm. doesn't it? Mm. And it's interesting because at that point, if mental performance goes down, people often suspect something like Alzheimer's, <laughs> but in actual fact, when that that happens, it can be, lead to a stroke, but it's still affecting their mental performance. You know? And I do get, say, women who come to me and say, oh, my husband, there's something wrong. He's just yeah. not, doesn't remember things as easily and that, but it can be this problem. It doesn't necessarily have to be de a dementia hasn't type. reached that stage yeah. just yeah. yet, but, it's, but the signs are there are just the mm. same. So that would be like an early warning sign if yeah. something is really wrong. <laughs> and you can be sure if you have plaque in the heart, you'll have it in your brain. It's okay. everywhere. Okay. Yeah. And so this is a big issue. So here we have a lady who's uh, elderly. I mean, I say elderly. She's a retirement age. And she may already have plaque in her brain setting herself up for a mm. lower threshold to having mm. an ischemic event or no right. blood flowing to a certain part of her brain. Mm. Sure. And so then the next part of the equation is this. You go to the party and you eat foods uh, such as cake with frosting. Well, what's frosting? Sugar and oil, or sugar and lard, or sugar mm. and, and uh, sh shortening, that's hydrogenated fats. When you eat that stuff, the fat in the 
product goes in the bloodstream, mm -hmm. it causes all the little red blood cells to stick together, mm -hmm. and it lowers the oxygen. In one study, after one high-fat <laughs> meal, within six hours, the oxygen on the brain dropped below 70%, and it didn't return to normal for mm. three whole days. That's three days without your brain. <laughs> I don't think I could last quite that long without my brain. So say that again. How much? One high-fat meal. One high-fat meal in this mm. study decreased the oxygen on the brain at six hours below 70%. You'd like the oxygen on your brain to be somewhere around 95% mm. in order to be... To function well. Yeah. Yes. And then that lasted for three days. And it didn't return to normal for three whole days. And then if you have high-fat meals routinely... Yeah, some people eat another high-fat meal the next day and another high-fat meal the next day, and, mm. and some people have never had a fully functioning brain. And they just accept it because that's what it is. That's what they've lived with, and they just wonder, oh, I'm not with it, or you know, they make reason or excuses why, but it's actually the diet that is mm. causing it. Yeah. That's correct. So is fat the big villain in, in this uh, particular case? In this case, uh, fat certainly plays a major role, mm. but it's also true any refined foods mm. tend to cause little red blood cells to stick together and lower oxygenation. Mm -hmm. So the sugar would also play a role as well in contributing to her brain dysfunction. Mm. So here we have what we're assuming is a lady who probably already had plaque in her brain, already compromising blood flow, and then on top of that she adds a high-fat meal which compromises oxygenation mm. of whatever blood is flowing further, mm. and you get below the level of survivability and part of the brain dies. Mm. And so one high-fat meal, one party, well, I'll just go off my diet once, okay. I'll just splurge this once, and you've compromised yourself. She spent the rest of her retirement being cared for by oh. others. The sad part That's is nowadays they know with strokes there's a lot you can do to get the brain to pick up and to actually correct the problem, which is some of the work I do. Yeah. Yes, and we'll, yeah, we need to come to that. Mm -hmm. But I'm just intrigued about some other villains that you've got. So what else might have um, been at the party besides the high fat, the high sugar? And that's, you know, typical party food, isn't it? High fat, high sugar, high salt. That's right. And another thing that will affect the brain, so we said that at 20% blockage, you could detect it on a mental status exam. Mm. There are certain uh, vasoactive substances in certain foods that will compromise blood flow to the brain. One of those is caffeine, oh. found in colas, found in chocolate mm -hmm. found in different types of drinks people use like uh, coffee mm -hmm. and so here we have an individual who might have had chocolate as a main uh, part of or chocolate the cake chocolate cake <laughs> with chocolate <laughs> icing <laughs> or frosting yeah. Yeah. chocolate ice cream whatever and so chocolate uh, so for somebody who drinks one cup of coffee the blood flow is shut mm -hmm. down to the brain especially the frontal lobes mm -hmm. by 30 percent so what percentage are we down to now? We're down 20 with the oxygen and another 30 with the caffeine. Not looking very good, is it? Not looking too good. And what happens when the blood gets shut down to your frontal lobes, your frontal lobes are where you do your higher thinking. Mm -hmm. It's where you make decisions. Where your intelligence is. 
Mm. Yes, and you're right, how you know the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So that would also mean when you're offered the next piece of chocolate cake, or whatever it is, to take it. less yeah. more likely to have maybe yeah. more more yeah. of the same. It's a little yeah. like drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. The next drink is easier because your inhibitions are down mm -hmm. further. You've lost more control of yourself, and mm -hmm. uh, well, it's highly likely she probably had a glass of wine as well. Who knows? Who I don't knows? Know Who knows? Mm. Yeah. Yes, and so here we have. A lady who might have had uh, some caffeine. Uh, it's also true somebody drinks one cup of coffee, they're more likely to share secrets they'd otherwise Oops. keep confidential. <laughs> Deinhibit, so does alcohol. <laughs> I, I actually didn't realize that yeah. about, um, yeah. about caffeine. Yes. We, we know about alcohol. So, mm, that's, so that's why we're going to take you out to coffee after this and <laughs> ask you a few no, questions. Cake and coffee is cake the common coffee. denominator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go to the coffee shop and have a cake. They, they do. They have cake mm. and coffee, don't mm. they? Mm. Oh, Double whammy. So, um, <laughs> so it's not just the business lunch, it's the cake and coffee that can, uh, can get you what you want. Mm, very interesting. Mm. So yeah. compromise brain function is what we're talking about mm. here. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Another thing that affects the brain, affects function, affects whether or not you have a stroke, is the inflammation level of the brain. And for inflammation, the things that raise the inflammation in the brain are any foods that are created through rotting, spoiling, fermenting, aging. Rotting, spoiling, spoiling. fermenting, aging. And these are foods that uh, you cheese. I mean, parties often have cheese, cheese chunks with a little mm -hmm. fork in it, whatever. Uh, wine, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, anything with vinegar, salad dressings, ketchup, mayonnaise. Uh, vinegar is definitely going to be an inflammatory agent. Uh, mm -hmm. Soy sauce. Chocolate itself is a fermented product. So is coffee, vanilla. I mean, there's a lot of things that are not fresh by the time you get them. In fact, mm -hmm. vanilla's been aged or rotted for like uh, nine months before wow. they get that flavor that you think you like so well. Oh, that's okay. interesting. And is that, the, is that the pure vanilla? <laughs> yes. or is that the pure vanilla or is that the imitation? The imitation would not have the fermentation. It's merely a chemical <gasps> product from the laboratory. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. I've been buying pure vanilla thinking it was a great thing to do, and you're telling me it's fermented. Definitely fermented, definitely aged, definitely full of... Ah. And what happens is when the little yeasts and the microbes eat on it, it produces toxins. Mm. They can be aflatoxins, they can be excitotoxins, they can be merely uh, false neurotransmitters. Mm. And some of these false neurotransmitters are like tyramine. For, for somebody suffering from a migraine headache, they know to stay away from cheese and wine. Mm -hmm. The reason is tyramine. But what does tyramine do? It causes a clamping down of the blood vessels in the brain just uh, okay. like the caffeine. Mm. Wow. Jenny, have you got some good news? <laughs> we just don't <laughs> This is, this this is, is all the bad news. This I'm really the good news. Yeah. What's so the how? Let's just have a little yeah. chat about uh, how we might, you know, okay. the work that you One do. of the things I do is see people with strokes. And as a health psychologist, I certainly help them to change things. But I find mentally and emotionally to have a stroke is very stressful and often their self-worth and self-esteem goes down. Uh, they can get very depressed and even anxious that it's going to happen again and, yeah. and it's also about survival. So there's a lot I help them to work through. Yeah. But one of the things that um, 
in the area that we work with as a psychologist is the fact that the brain can grow and change. Now that's 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 very refreshing because <laughs> we, we, look, do we do have an know. amazing brain. Yes, yeah, God has given us this amazing so brain that. Can and this change. is actually good news yeah. for someone who might have already had a stroke. Yes. Yeah. And yes. Uh, so you're saying that there can be a good recovery? Well, what I do is it can be. Uh, and there are people who fully recovered from strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is where there's a lot people can do to keep their mind active. Like certainly what we're hearing is a di- dietetic side of nutrition and mm-hmm. health and mm-hmm. what's good for us and not. But what I do is help people to keep their brain alive, literally, yes. is to use it. It's a use it or lose it principle. And there was a very good example of what we're talking about here Um, a man by the name of Pedro and he was 65 years old and he actually had um, a major stroke um, and that left him inability to speak. It paralysed half of his body. He couldn't walk or speak. They put him through a rehab program and at the end of that they said, well, nothing will fix this. You're incurable and they sent him home and his son didn't accept that. So he came to live with his father and he first of all got him on his flat on the floor and he got him to start to move his legs and he would help him do the movement to get the muscles going. What, what a blessing yeah, to have someone a son who, cared who cared about you enough mm. to help you, especially when he'd been told that really, you know, there's no, there's hope. no hope. Because this yeah. would have taken, oh, go on, yeah. probably taken a while for him to do. Well, it did. It took, it was 12 months his cool. son worked with him in recovery, That's... but initially he got him to crawl and then he would get him to stand up against a wall and to get mobility and um, he also used children's games to stimulate okay. brain function. What get, sort of children's games? Well, uh, well I, he didn't say, oh, okay. well, yeah, I'm okay. not sure, but when you look at children's games, probably board games and things that stimulate brain oh, function, okay. yeah, that get them to think, mm-hmm. but in simple terms to start, to, yeah. it's like starting back at kindergarten, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, right. that's what he, he that's did. Right. Um, but because he'd already learned all these things, his brain grew very quickly. And by growth, I mean, by what we call neuroplasticity and the brain has the capacity to reproduce trillions of cells when it's stimulated. So getting him to do these things stimulated major brain growth and then then the other amazing thing that is like a miracle in the brain that the brain can actually change the wiring and even though the stroke destroys part of the tissues in the brain where that ability to speak no longer exists, it's a speech centre, the brain can actually recreate a new speech centre. Oh, isn't and, that incredible? And what it does, it, with the stimulation, it starts to wire that in. Because he could already speak, the brain can reproduce it. So within 12 months, he then got onto a computer and then he was walking. And he did a, a virtually full recovery. And he had 12 good years where he would go... Um, hiking in the mountains and he had time with his grandchildren, his family and back in the garden, highly active man, could go back to writing and using his computer. And mentally good? Mentally very, very good. Good. Um, And after 12 years he actually had a heart attack. He was actually out hiking apparently when he had this heart attack and died. And they did an autopsy and they found that from the what they call the cerebral cortex, which is the brain, through his to his spine and down his spine, there was catastrophic damage that was still evident from the stroke. Yeah. But what the brain had done was put in new wiring and connections and the nervous system had readjusted to 
pick up that functioning again. But and the actual physical damage was still evident at an autopsy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. We are a miracle when you look at do, yeah. yeah, when we look at what we can do. But I just got to say for people tuning in, don't just think because of what Jenny just said and it can be fixed that it gives you any reason not to take notice of what <laughs> Dr Clark's been telling you. We don't want to get to that point where I have to fix it. Yeah, don't want to get to that point at all. No, I'm yeah. sure you're not. I'm sure you're not really thinking that. <laughs> Was there anything else that, uh, Dr John, that contributes to, to these problems, not just Alzheimer's and stroke, mm. but just the brain fog and all that? One of the things that will create more inflammation in the brain is having any kind of oxidized oils in the diet. This would be any oils that have been heat treated. Now, you might wonder what I'm talking about here. And uh, one of the ways that people heat treat their oils is they fry things. Oh, yes. Anytime you heat up oils, they deteriorate, especially if they're in the presence of oxygen. Mm. And when you get oxidized oils in the body, then those oxidized oils cause damage to cells, causes damage to protein. That protein gets uh, uh, messed up and it ends up in the brain as sludge. And uh, when we go testing for Alzheimer's, we go looking for this sludge, and we call it amyloid, mm. and we discover that the patient has Alzheimer's. But really, was the sludge just another evidence that you had oxidized oils along with Alzheimer's? And, mm. and so really what's happening here is you end up oxidizing your brain capacity through these free radicals, that's what they are, free radicals that were made in your frying pan in your kitchen. So if you want to make uh, free radicals, just take the best cold-pressed, uh, cold-processed <laughs> olive oil, put it in a frying pan, heat and it up, it. Yep. and then you have uh, a toxic uh, potion that can help you achieve Alzheimer's in a mm. short amount of time. So any, any oil, any refined oil or fat can be oxidized just by frying? Refined oils or even unrefined oils, they yeah, yeah, don't okay. handle heat well. And mm -hmm. so you're better off not heating oils, especially mm -hmm. if, you know, if you want to avoid Alzheimer's. So fast foods are not really a good idea. As they're <laughs> made in most places, they do contain high amounts of oil. Now, on the other hand, when we're talking here about neuroplasticity mm -hmm. and recreating the brain, mm -hmm. you want to support the brain with a good nutritional approach. Mm -hmm. And first of all, we said blood flow is a problem, and so you want to improve blood flow. Mm -hmm. And so if you can you improve do. blood flow, uh, you want to get fresh oils from their source. Eat nuts and seeds. For example, okay. walnuts are very good at helping blood flow yeah. through the omega-3s. Flaxseed, uh, a similar mechanism. And so eating good food in that way. Avocados, when you... I was going to say avocados, yeah. they're brilliant for that. Mm. And uh, olives. And so you're looking at good sources of fats. There'll be a benefit, but I'm not saying that fats are the ants that you want to stock up too much on fats. It's better no, not no, to no, eat no. more than 10% of your diet as nuts, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing is that helps blood flow are, are foods that are high in water and high in uh, vitamin C and vitamin E. So what foods are high in water? Most of your fruit is at least 93 to 98% water. Okay. And so some of the best fruits for this would be like pineapple, mm -hmm. because it's high in vitamin C. It's also got bromelain, which helps inflammation mm -hmm. and blood flow. Yeah. Uh, 
Grapefruit help blood flow, particularly to the brain. It makes the blood more slippery, if you please. Oh, good. I love grapefruit. Berries <laughs> well, of that any makes, kind? That makes one of us. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I find them a bit challenging. <laughs> Is there anything equivalent to grapefruit in the citrus? <laughs> oh, lemon. <Pomelos>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so the grapefruit is sort of unique. It's got some special properties, but uh, there's a garlic is good for keeping the blood flow. So while Jenny's eating her grapefruit, you can eat your garlic. Yeah. Uh, so garlic will help to keep stroke away and keep your friends away. <laughs> Helps with social distancing. So you don't yeah, spread disease. No, it's, it's absolutely delicious. I love garlic. Yeah. I've got so, an interesting story about a friend of mine whose husband's got Alzheimer's and they were advised to stimulate brain function. This comes back to the neuroplasticity again. And they can afford to do this, but they decided they, they used to do a lot of traveling. So they decided they would do a lot of um, traveling, but do it on ships because it's a confined space. It's you know, a manageable chunk. And that has really helped him a lot. And it's interesting because even though certain things in his memory are disappearing, he still can use the, sh the short term memory in like in looking at photos and yeah. the stimulation of that has stimulated new brain growth. So there's a lot you can do even with Alzheimer's to help to, to slow it down, you know, if it is a disease that's taking over and to actually keep the brain more alive instead of it deteriorating so quickly. Yeah. And what about exercise? Does that play mm. a... <laughs> Silly question. Certainly. Yes, thanks yeah, for asking. For oxygen in the brain. Oh, yeah, the oxygenation yeah. of the brain and a healthy body supports a healthy brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, so physical activity, especially getting out and getting the heart pumping, mm -hmm. is going to have the effect to help more blood flow to the brain. Mm -hmm. It opens up the blood vessels. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure you're well hydrated for that as well. Mm -hmm. And so physical activity also puts the brain to work uh, at uh, coordinating your muscles. So you're mm -hmm. stimulating that part mm -hmm. of your brain. Certainly important. Also, uh, exercise mentally. And mm -hmm. so people wanting to recover from a stroke mm -hmm. or from any of this, uh, Alzheimer's or degenerative uh, brain disease, they need to use the brain. If mm -hmm. you don't use it, you... Lose it. Well, that's what you were yeah. just saying, Jenny, yes. and this is Absolutely. much of what you do, yeah. isn't it? So I help motivate people, yeah. um, get them to set realistic goals, small yes. goals, and it will be, this is why I've studied lifestyle and the nutritional yes. medicine yeah. side of it, because it's a whole package. It's a package. Yeah, right. and so I do a lot of doing the whole package with mm -hmm. people, as well as getting them to use their mind and mm -hmm. to learn to think the right way and to change their old beliefs and values yeah. that have you know, are keeping them stuck in this way of life. Because yeah. it's a lot to give up a lifestyle where you've had all this junk food and, you know. Oh, it is. It, it is. It you is. Can't, most people yeah. cannot just go and, well, that's it, I'll change overnight. No. Very rare. You have to help them and motivate them and help mm. them to set the goals and to try new foods and to look at an area like a chunk or an area they can change and right. like with exercise it might be and we talked a bit about this before it might be just halfway around the block or out to the front and around yes. the garden yes. uh, and then they'll start to be stimulated and motivated mm. to do more so I'm doing that with yes mm. on, on that exercise question I remember reading a study a while ago where they had two groups of people mm. and they were trying to who had Alzheimer's right. and they were trying to um, improve their communication skills. So one group, they didn't change, it, didn't change anything, 
And the other group, they put them on um, an exercise program and they had a 40% increase wow. in communication skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other group actually was given uh, communication counselling and, and, and mm. assistance with that. But the ones who just did the exercise had a 40% increase. So that's incredible, isn't it? Mm. And, and that helps us not to get it as well. So these have been wonderful um, things that you've shared, John. Have you got We uh, had some friends who are fairly health conscious mm -hmm. and uh, their mother was getting older. Uh, she was widowed. She was living down in Florida. Mm -hmm. She's eating on her own, choosing foods that are easy to grab at the grocery store pre-prepared mm -hmm. and she developed Alzheimer's. And so since she wasn't able to take care of herself down in Florida, they moved her up with them in Minnesota, mm -hmm. put her on their good lifestyle and good diet and homemade foods. Okay. Mm -hmm. She totally cleared up. Her Alzheimer's totally disappeared. She was oh. back to normal. Yeah. Well, I believe that can happen. Do you know, the father of medicine, as he's often called, Hippocrates, a few hundred years before BC, um, he said, let food be your medicine. You can probably finish that and medicine be your food. Well, that's all we have for today, we, all we've got time for, but you can view our programs on demand by visiting our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au, and just click on the watch button. And you can also download our fact sheets, and if you have a health concern that you'd like to discuss with Dr John Clark or to Jennifer, send it to healthyliving at 3abnaustralia.org.au. And please join us next time for more secrets of healthy living.